Hello, ACB. Welcome to the very first show of Milestones. This is your host, Sarah Conrad, and it is my honor to introduce you to this exciting new show. Webster defines a milestone as a stone by the side of the road that shows the distance in miles to a specified place, or an important point in the progress or development of something, a very important event or advance. I decided to create this show because we don't celebrate milestones enough in ACB. We don't celebrate our individual successes, nor the successes of our great organization nearly enough. Why not? Well, part of this is because we are always working to do better and do more. We try to go from success to success. We also forget to notice the value in each other's successes. Sometimes as leaders, we get caught up in the go-getter personalities so much so that we forget that the extraordinary gifts and talents of the individual members is what makes ACB great. So, this show is about what makes us great. It's about celebrating diversity. It's about honoring the unique challenges that each of us has overcome each day of our lives. This show is about celebrating with the college student who has successfully completed his degree program while honoring the business executive who is ready to retire after her long career. This show is about applauding the parents who have had their first child while celebrating with the person who has conquered a challenging illness. But this is also a show about celebrating each step along each of those journeys. For it is within these individual successes, these milestones of our own, that ACB gains its strength. It is within our own self-advocacy journeys that we regenerate and refresh the endless possibilities for our organization to make life better for people with disabilities for years to come. It is by celebrating these milestones that we make it possible for future generations to continue to work in a more just, more accessible, and more equal world. So with that, I welcome you to the show. Each week, we will hear stories from individuals of all ages, genders, ethnicities, and backgrounds who overcome challenges every day. If you or someone you know has a story to share, go to acbmilestones.weeblly.com for more information on how you can share that story. Now, let's welcome our first guest. on Milestones is ACB's Executive Director, Eric Bridges. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Eric, tonight we're talking about accomplishments and about how people help us to achieve our goals. So, Eric, can you tell us a little bit about an achievement that you've had that sticks out in your mind as a proud moment of yours? Well, sure. From a, a personal standpoint, it's, it's having a child. Oh, sure. <laughs> Uh, but from a professional standpoint, I would say the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act and the odyssey that I went through in order to help lead ACB um, in getting that bill signed into law mm. was uh, a great achievement of mine. And it, it took an awful lot of work, and it was a continuous learning experience going through the legislative process, learning about the communications law, learning about technology policy, all these things that I didn't have a lot of exposure to uh, before coming to ACB. So how did the role of mentors help you throughout that learning process? Well, I was uh, 
very fortunate to be able to work with probably four or five individuals that were steeped in communications law background as well as technology policy. And they were interested in, in sort of showing me, kind of shepherding me through the sort of the policy negotiations that we had with industry. I was uh, quite learned regarding the legislative process because I come from Capitol Hill to, to work at ACB. Literally, this this bill, which at the time was just a white paper, was one of the very first projects that I worked on at ACB. And by the way, I just celebrated my ninth anniversary with ACB. All right. So, Congratulations. Uh, yeah. I've been around a while now. And so that law was really comprehensive, right? So it dealt with the accessibility of cell phones, mainly smartphones as well as tablets, other sort of two-way communications applications, and then also from a sort of TV-watching home theater environment standpoint, it dealt with access to television, access to your cable box, and in the cable box is your DVR and the electronic program guide, and then uh, equally as important was uh, access to emergency alerts, and then uh, the provision in there for the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program to individuals who are deafblind to be able to go out and get communications devices, most of which are really cost prohibitive. And so there are a lot of different tentacles to this law, a lot of things that I knew as a consumer of technology, right, uh, mm -hmm. that needed to be done. But from a policy standpoint, how do you get there from where you are? Mm -hmm. Because there were clear market failures in the television and cable industry at that time. Mm -hmm. There was no such thing as an accessible cable box or an accessible TV. Sure. We as blind people were paying for all of these services that were charged for monthly for their aspects that we didn't have equal access to. Mm -hmm. And so obviously some of this stuff was like a no-brainer, right? Who doesn't want to have audio description mm -hmm. on television? But how do you get there? How do you how do you negotiate with the National Association of Broadcasters, National Cable Television Association, what was known then as the Consumer Electronics Association, some of the very largest trade associations in the country as just advocates uh, for people who are blind, uh, visually impaired, or individuals who are deaf and hard of hearing. And so it was a great learning experience. I'm very thankful that I had individuals that had experience in these areas to kind of show me the ropes. I had experience in other realms that they did not necessarily possess in terms of knowledge of the legislative process, mm -hmm. things like that. So it sort of commingled really well. So you were able to each share your own experiences. Exactly. And, and I guess, you know, the, just sort of on a, on a very practical ground level, I was also the youngest in this group mm -hmm. by about a decade. And so there was a, a youth thing <laughs> that sort of, my, my colleagues, I always felt like I was respected. I always felt like, you know, they really sought my opinions. The challenge that I had in dealing with some of these trade associations and individual companies, I don't know that they took me as seriously as some of the other folks who were clearly more seasoned, not just from a background standpoint, but just mm. they were older. So the dynamics of different ages and different experience levels. Exactly. So what would you say to encourage young people who are put into some of these positions when they are working with people who are 
maybe two, three times their age um, in these situations, what encouragement would you give to them to uh, have their voices be heard and to get the most out of those experiences? So don't try to be the hero, right? Hmm. So don't come in pretending you got all the answers hmm. uh, because you don't. <laughs> and, you know, I think really soaking up the knowledge that these individuals have. Understand that you don't know everything, but also understand that you're smart, and if you're curious, you can learn an awful lot. Hmm. Developing relationships with people is, is the key in all of this. It's, I would say, I mean, in any industry, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Uh, the, the relationships that you create, enhance and maintain, are huge for the development of your career, the ability for you to succeed, because the more relationships you can, you can build, the more people you can talk to, ask advice, bounce ideas off of, the more well-rounded you're going to become mm-hmm. as a professional. You know, it, it's, uh, it's not going out and asking the president of a company to be your mentor. It's not always about it. It's about the people that you're around, looking at them and seeing things in them that you currently don't possess, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's technical knowledge, whether it's more general in nature, whether it's how just you like how they how they relate to others, how they how they communicate with others, the sorts of feedback that they give to others. There's always something that you can learn, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't always need to be formalized. Although sometimes it, it, it may work a little more quick if there's a, a formalized relationship. It's finding people that, that possess skill sets that you don't currently possess or skill sets that you, you want to enhance or, or build. And, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to find some folks through my career that, that I can go to, talk with, seek advice, and get good advice. Can you talk a little bit more about the role of mentors and how they've helped you to get you where you are today? Sure. Actually, let me just take a step back. I've been a part of ACB since 1999, and so I was still in college when I joined the the student affiliate, which then was known as uh, National Alliance of Blind Students. Mm -hmm. Through my participation in that affiliate, I learned from folks that were older than me, other students who were special little flower that, you know, turned out I wasn't the only blind person uh, going through some of the issues that I was going through in college, mm-hmm. which actually was, in a, in a weird, quirky way, it was comforting, mm-hmm. even though some of the experiences that I was having were not necessarily positive. But the group at that time really was there to sort of share their experiences with younger uh, students like me, and it really helped. As my career started me and it really helped and then as my career started I became aware of an individual by the name of Pat Beatty who was a longtime leader at ACB and at one point was the national treasurer and uh, it turned out we worked for the same company uh, the same organization National Industries for the Blind and, and she actively sought me out because she knew I was an ACB and talk to me about policy, uh, public policy and governmental affairs, because that's what she did. She was a senior leader in national industries for the blind. She really showed me the, the capability that I have through a lot of conversations, uh, either at conventions or at work. And it turned out that I, I wound up working for her 
for about the last three years of her career. And what, what did she teach me? Well, she taught me a lot of technical things, which were really important to my job. Stuff like uh, the federal acquisition regulation and how the Ability One program uh, works as part of that, which could put anybody to sleep in about a minute. Um, <laughs> but really important stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, the disability movement and what the disability movement was, the blindness movement, mm. and how all that stuff sort of fit into my job at National Industries for Blind. One of the one of the big things she did though, she kicked me in the butt. Told me I needed to work harder at one point, and it opened my eyes, and uh, I began to sort of change how I viewed my job and what I wanted to do in my career. So I credit her with a lot of the the success that I've had. I think about her all the time. Uh, the signing of the law, uh, the 21st Century Communications Bitter Accessibility Act. Thought about her the day that um, they had the bill signing. White House, the president was there with Stevie Wonder, and I was standing there going, holy cow, this is cool. <laughs> and I thought about her. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she would be very proud of, of the work that you've accomplished for ACB. Yeah, I hope so. How would you encourage some of our listeners who might be struggling to take that next step to reach their goals, to you know seek out assistance from other people, or to um, enhance their own education or knowledge? Don't be afraid of the word no. The worst thing that somebody can tell you is no. And when it comes to asking somebody for advice or, you know, to, to have them be your mentor, I would wager that well over 90% of the people out there when asked for that kind of assistance are going to be head over heels excited to help. So you got to just go do it because if you don't go do it, what's going to happen? Probably nothing. You know, you need to be motivated. You need to find things in others that you don't currently possess, and whether it's knowledge, whether it's how folks communicate, and you need to you need to talk to them and say, you know, can I buy you a coffee because I'm sort of interested in uh, what it is you do. Being afraid is not really acceptable. You just got to go do it. I think, honestly, the majority of the time, you're going to be really pleasantly surprised. There's a reason why you're looking at this individual to begin with, right, Sarah? I mean, you're, you're looking at an individual because they possess something that you'd like mm-hmm. or something that interests you. Mm-hmm. So why would you, you know, why would you sort of cloister yourself away and mm-hmm. not go out and ask? Sometimes people are shy and all of that. But in order to get to where you want to be, you need to you need to collect knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you can't just collect knowledge from a book mm-hmm. or a website or a YouTube video <laughs> or a Snapchat or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you, you actually have to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I've found has been so helpful in my career, um, having relationships, developing relationships with others. And, and you'd be amazed that once you develop these relationships, how they can come back and at times reward you in ways that you never even thought, you know, was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty neat. And it's, 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 a, it's a fun part of sort of 
mentoring through your career um, because I, I still maintain really close contact with some folks that I, I started with 15 years ago when I graduated college. You know, some of those folks I've been able to help and some of them have been able to help me. And uh, you just never know where it's going to go. Sure. And, uh, you know, life is a journey, so get asked. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for um, sharing your encouragement and your stories. And thank you for all you do for ACB. We all really appreciate it. And uh, thanks again for being on our show. No problem, Sarah. Thank you for asking me. Our next guest this evening is ACB President Kim Charlson. Welcome to Milestones, Kim. Thank you, Sarah. I'm glad to be here. Kim, can you tell us about a time when you reached a milestone in your life that stands out in your mind and maybe some challenges that you had to overcome in order to reach that goal? So I think my first milestone, and I guess especially for you, my first, I guess, challenge is when I was in college, I was on um, a track where I thought I was going to be an attorney. (laughs) So... I went all the way through, I got an undergraduate degree in political science, and then I kind of had this realization that I just didn't want to continue to go to school for a while. I really wanted to get a job and kind of have some reality check instead of just staying in school for a while. And I said, you know, maybe the world doesn't need another lawyer right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm destined for something else. So I went on a, a job interview, and it happened to be at the Oregon State Library um, at the Braille and Talking Book Division. And I got a job working there as a textbook production specialist, working with volunteers to produce audio books and transcribe Braille books. And this was sort of in the day before we had wonderful digital, so it was, you know, cassette tapes and transcribers using Perkins Brailers and all that kind of stuff. And I did that for a while. And, and what I discovered was that I wanted to have a career in management of a library. And so I said, how am I ever going to do that? I live in Oregon. I live in a place where there is no library science graduate school. What am I going to do? If I don't have a degree, I won't have an opportunity. And then it was either, you know, could have been fate or destiny or maybe they <laughs> they wanted me to go go to graduate school, but I came back from lunch one day and there was this envelope on my desk and it was a packet about a scholarship program for students with disabilities to go to library science school. <laughs> I thought, well, this is just like too much of a coincidence. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I said, I guess I've got to apply. And I applied for the fellowship and I won. And the, the kicker was that the school that was offering the degree was the University of North Texas. So, you know, I lived in Oregon. I was married to Brian. I said, Brian, you don't mind if I go to graduate school for a year in Texas, do you? And so off I went to graduate school in Texas. And, you know, I didn't know anybody, but you, know, you often have to take those chances in life. You've got you to gotta do these things and... You know, as moving to a new town sometimes, sometimes that can be a really hard thing, but mm. everybody needs to take risks. 
but I got my degree, and then um, a few months later, I was approached by Perkins, and they said, you know, we've heard about you, we're really interested, um, would you like to come to work for us? And so that was almost 30 years ago. So um, I certainly, I think, had a pretty wonderful career, and, you know, I'm still working, so um, <laughs> as the director of the Perkins Braille and Talking Book Library, and um, been able to develop a lot of programs and services for the people who library in Massachusetts and um, build a staff that really can keep all those programs and services going and uh, I think kind of a legacy, although I'm not looking to retire soon. Um, <laughs> I think it's, you know, I've, I've really kind of watched that that whole progression grow. So I would say those are those are milestones for me. Sure. And I think I think maybe you talked a little bit about challenges, and I guess I'd have to say another milestone that is more recent for me, and you know, many people have had health-related issues come up, mm-hmm. and three years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, mm-hmm. and it was basically about six months before I was going to run for president of ACB, mm-hmm. and, and that was a that was a challenge because I didn't know what to expect. Sure. And and so, you know, I was fortunate that it was discovered stage one. Um, I had great medical services. Um, I went through my surgery, chemo, mm-hmm. that, um, that kind of thing, and I, I did really well. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I said, this is, this is the challenge that I want to I do. I've committed to ACB, I've committed to the community of people who are blind that I want to leave the organization, and so I'm going to do it. And um, so when I was elected in 2013, you know, it was a huge commitment from me because I was going through quite a lot, but, sure. you know, everything turned out well. I'm, I'm three years out now, cancer-free, mm, and doing really well. Thank you. And so that was kind of the other milestone. It was, you know, I wasn't going to let cancer define what I could do and what I wanted to do for for blind people in this country and for ACB specifically as well. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. It seems that a, a common theme then for you in terms of your achievements and the, the goals that you've accomplished um, has been taking risks. Um, so... What would you say, um, what advice would you give to listeners that are maybe nervous about taking risks um, as they're looking at um, some of their future goals? I think it's very important, and I think that more blind people would be successful in, in our community and the expanded all across the country if they could find it within themselves job, um, people have expectations that if they live in a small town that somehow there's going to be a job that's going to pop up three blocks away from their house, and they're, and they're going to get hired, and everything's going to be wonderful, and then they spend a lot of their life waiting for that opportunity to land on their doorstep, mm. 
and things don't land on your doorstep. You have to go out and seek them, and you have to often move. And a lot of people who who are successful in, in their education or their careers have had to move. And I, and I think that's something that can be said about sighted people just as much as blind people. Sure. That it may be a little easier for a sighted person to get a job in their hometown, but a lot of people move to mm-hmm. find a good job. And it is a risk. It is, you, you know, you pack up everything and you move away, but it can also be an adventure. Mm-hmm. And when Brian and I moved to Massachusetts 30 years ago, it was it was an adventure for us. We, we lived in a city. I mean, we, there was 100,000 people in Salem, Oregon, but we moved to a big city, you know. Wow, the city we live in has an airport, you know, that was like, it was a big city. <laughs> and, uh, and lots, you know, bus system and subway and all kinds of things to do. I mean, we learned the community, we learned the city, we learned about services, and sometimes you know, I, I think it was an absolutely perfect and, and it really was the move that we needed to make at the time. It turned out to be really good for Brian. Um, he's the director of technology at the Carroll Center for the Blind. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, had a great career with assistive technology and been a real mover and shaker in that field. And and so it's, it, it's worked out for us. But when we got here, you know, Brian didn't have a job. Sure. Um, I was the one that had the job, so, you know, we had to find an apartment, we had to do all the things you got to do, but sometimes my my best advice to myself is take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Don't, try, don't try to plan out your whole life in, you know, in the next five minutes and figure <laughs> out, you know, what you're going to do. Take it one day at a time mm-hmm. and think about those milestones that you've been talking about. And, and get yourself pointed in the right direction and kind of make smaller goals. Don't make your goals so big that you'll, it'll just take you such a long time, if ever, to accomplish them. Make them manageable, but, but make them. Push yourself to, to achieve those, those milestones in your life and, and set those objectives for yourself so that you can stay on course whether it's school or professionally or you you want to buy a house or save money so that you can get a better apartment, whatever the goals are, you know, make them measurable. And I think so many people get bogged down in, in, you know, well, I want to do this, but, and they they just list out every single thing that needs to be perfect in their Mm -hmm. lives, and then they never get started because where do you start? So, um... I guess that's that's my advice. I'm a I'm a big fan of take it one day at a time and do your best, sure. and, and you'll be pretty surprised at what you can accomplish. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show, Kim, and thank you well, thank for you. thank you for all you do for ACB, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Sarah. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks. Well, have a good night. Wow, what an awesome night. Thank you so much, Kim and Eric, for all your hard work in ACB and for all your encouragement to try new things and to take chances every day. 
Join me again next week to be inspired by Carla Rushable, Cindy Van Winkle, and Debbie Hazelton. That's all for the first show of Milestones. Until next time, this is your host, Sarah Conrad, off to meet milestones of my own.
That's all for our first night of Milestones. Join us next week for part two of our Welcome to Milestones program. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. 
Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to mark milestones of my own. Until then, this is Sarah Conrad, off to